bounce note is a note that's played, but goes unnoticed, like so much of the work behind the music before it hits our eardrums. I'm Hannah Copeland. Join me for in-depth, honest, and unpredictable interviews of Kansas City's music makers, plus new music happenings to put on your radar. It's all on Ghost Notes via the Fountain City Frequency Network. Penny have become a staple in the Kansas City music scene. They formed in 2010 and made great strides in their career since then. This antique pop duo has performed inside the tiny hotel rooms at Folk Alliance International and to a crowd of hundreds at the Kaufman Center on New Year's Eve. On the next two episodes of Ghost Notes, we don't interview Victor and Penny. We split the duo up to interview the real people behind their stage names, Aaron McGrain and Jeff Freeling. This week, Aaron McGrain, also known as Penny, She shares her journey towards their new album, Electricity, which is the first body of work Jeff and Aaron have created with almost all original songs. That's somewhat of a diversion from their previous work of covering American jazz tunes they dug up through sonic archaeology. Part of the idea for Electricity was sparked by a tragedy, when Jeff and Aaron spent a year preparing to record 60-year-old songs that were written as intimate letters to a friend. Their dreams were smashed when they finally found the song's composer in a nursing home and he wouldn't grant them his permission to record. Aaron explains how they recovered and how they are thriving in their career today more than ever before. The music you hear under the interview is all performed by Victor and Penny. Thanks for joining us. This is Ghost Notes. home to you'd be so nice by the fire all right you brought some new songs from your new album today can you tell me a little bit about your new album and and what you brought yeah really excited about the new album it's a real departure for us in this project in that um the album is comprised almost entirely of songs that we wrote for this project there's only one cover song on it um And up to this point, the project has really been about sonic archaeology. So it's been about kind of looking into the past and finding songs that resonated with us, finding songwriters that resonated with us, and digging them up and kind of breathing fresh life into it. Um, So this project, we came at a completely different way. We wanted to then bring our modern voice to this great songbook. So I'm not saying we write as well as Duke Ellington, but... um, certainly have been inspired by really delving into some of these terrific American songwriters. You'd be so nice to come home to You'd be so nice by the fire While the breeze on high sings a lullaby In this sonic archaeology that you've done, you did some of that in 2013 and tried to worked to spend a year on a project and then that songwriter didn't give you the rights yes. to that. Yeah. I think I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but now that we're there already, we can get back. Sure. Um, can you tell me a little bit about, about that? Yeah. What that project, uh, that was, yeah, let's see, where do we begin? Um, Jeff and I were privileged enough to hear some early home recordings by a songwriter from the 50s. And this came through a friend of ours and um, 
it was his father's friend. So this, you know, really first directly from the source. And we fell madly in love with this songwriter and the stuff that he was writing really resonated with us. So we talked to our friend and we decided that we wanted to do an album, wanted to resurrect some of those songs that no one had ever heard. These were largely unpublished songs. So we wanted to bring those out um, into the light and then also wanted to write songs kind of around that project. Um, he had some songs that were unfinished. There were some song ideas and we thought we'd like to take those and flush them out and bring them to life. We got an, an artist residency, so we went to Seaside, Florida for a month with the idea that we were going to work on this project, which we did. And we came out of that and had about 13 songs ready to record, even had the cover art and the title, and, and um, really it was all coming together for us. And all of that time we were trying to see if the songwriter was still alive or not because um, our friend had lost touch with this man um, many years ago. So there had been this ongoing secondary thing happening. We were searching for him. Well, finally, the good old U.S. Post Office kept forwarding a letter, and it finally found him. And uh, he was in his mid-90s and living in the state of Washington. And um, he simply was not interested in the project. We felt that even though some of these things, you know, the rights are kind of squishy, this is some of this is unpublished, some of it was um, partially, you know, other, the rights were pretty murky, it was all pretty murky, but we didn't feel right at all about proceeding with this project without his blessing. Like the big part of, a big part of the appeal of the project to us was connecting with the songwriter and we wanted him to love it. We wanted him to be excited. We thought that when we found him, he would be like, oh my gosh, I'm thrilled. Of course I want to help you. We we thought, dreamed that maybe we might even collaborate with him. And instead he was just like, I just want to be left alone. And um, it was just devastating on so many levels. It's much easier to talk about it now, but we really, I mean, could hardly talk about it for a while. We'd grown so in love with these songs and with this person, and really this person 60 years ago. That's what you gotta remember, because these were home recordings that he made with his voice. They were letters to a friend. They were intensely personal recordings. Um, and so, I think he maybe wasn't that person anymore. I don't know. And our friend contacted him again this year. It's been a couple of years now. Um, and the message was the same. After you found out that he wouldn't give you publish the works, then you, you sought out a artist consultant in Nashville, right? Was that, was that because of that? So we went to the Folk Alliance Conference mm -hmm. and saw this woman speak and went to a couple of different panels that she was on and we thought that she might be able to help us. Um, and that she does a, a number of things, but the thing that we were interested in was that she does basically career counseling for professional mid-career artists which is exactly what we are. Um, and so we talked to her and started consulting with her and she saw right away kind of how this project had derailed us and, and what kind of roadblocks were in our way mm -hmm. and got serious about working with her in July. And that's when she said, what you need to do is get a live album out as quickly as possible, 
you're still working on your new sound. We started, um, we wrote a few tunes, said we were going to take these tunes and start rewriting some new ones. And you had to tell her a lot of personal information about your music, and you basically every gave her everything you ever recorded. Yes. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what is that like saying, Carrie, here's my soul, my heart and soul? I mean, what, what is that like giving someone all that information? Yeah, that was, it would felt, you know, it was kind of like a therapy a little bit. Um, I mean, she really dug in there and kind of poked around at a lot of uncomfortable things. Was there things. any point where you said, uh-uh, no, this oh, is never, too much? Yeah, a number of times, yeah. <laughs> but we did it anyway because we knew that it was good for us and that, um, you know, as artists, your personal life is just so connected to your art. It's different than work, going and working at a job where you can go home and yeah. at the end of the day and leave that job there. You might think about it and stuff, but... For artists, so much of what we do is a reflection of how we're feeling emotionally. It's directly tied together, so it's hard to pull that apart. As a character, I mean, Victor and Penny has a lot of theater to it. How much of that, how much of Penny is Penny and how much of Penny is Aaron? Um, certainly less theatrical than my previous project, Dalla Cartuna, which I, in which I played a character named Ruby Falls. She had, I created that character for that project, and she had a whole backstory. Like, I even wrote a biography of, of her life. Um, Penny isn't that deep, that thorough, that backstory. It's more evocative of, um, a time and an era, um, and that's about as deep as that goes. And as the project has progressed, I've moved farther away from that kind of persona. So I would say it's coming more and more back to being Aaron and Jeff and less about Victor and Penny, that perso- those personas when we began. Uh, and that also feels like a natural, totally right, natural progression. Mm-hmm. Just seems like the right way to go. Can you pinpoint anything that specifically changed? It was time to stop. Um, to take what we'd learned from looking back and all these great songs that are so melodically rich, that's what resonates about those songs, and say, okay, can we write some modern songs in our own voice that still has some of that great melodic bass to it and, um, and great lyrics. He was a terrific lyricist, clever lyrics, and we're like, well, how about writing our own? It was really that project that encouraged us to move in this direction now. Mm-hmm. That and Carrie also, it was a combination of those things. Carrie's saying, you know, why aren't, why aren't you writing your own material for this project? Yeah. And I look back at all this and you've written, you have you both have this huge body of work that you've done with all these other bands. Well, why weren't you? What'd you tell her? Because we were doing Sonic Archaeology. That okay. was the point of this project and that's where we started. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just blossomed and um, inspired us and taught us a lot like a lot about songwriting like Jeff and I came mm-hmm. together over these songs mm-hmm. and like what is it about so we spent a lot of time going what is it about this song that is so great why can we keep why can they um, improvise over this these chord changes over and over and over and it never feels tired it always feels fresh it's because it's great songwriting it's great melodic songwriting mm-hmm. um, uh, much more sophisticated than sometimes it sounds to the ear because there's such perfect little nuggets that they just sound so memorable and easy, easy to whistle and hum and sing back. 
but when you start breaking it down, there's a lot to it. So yeah. that taught us about, can we do that now? Can now we've learned about that? Can we take some of that and bring that um, forward? The other thing that's interesting about the time period is I'm just endlessly interested in what was happening in American history during that time. So this is Great Depression area from you know like 1915 to 1945 is just fascinating globally. Um, so that was post World War One, um, and all the World War One was such a um, globally devastating war on so many levels. Um, so, uh, both societally and also the weaponry and what um, medicine and I mean everything just yeah. but yet all these songs came out of Tin Pan Alley these happy sounding songs um, about you know pack up your troubles in your old kit bag and you know that would be World War One and then all the way to like moving forward to Berlin like um, you know blue skies nothing but blue skies but what they were experiencing was devastating between the Dust Bowl and the Great Depression post World War One, heading right into World War Two, um, and yet here was these songs but if you look at it through that lens you understand that the art was a way to survive when you're blue and you're lonesome too a smile will go a long long way oh now when you're down don't sit around and frown a smile will go a long long way yes it will never grieve you gotta make saw Ken Burns' documentary about the Dust Bowl, and one of the things that really uh, struck me about that was this town in uh, Oklahoma. The town just died off, and he did a whole little study about this town, like watching all the parts of the town just die off. But the one thing that the town could not, would not let go of was the movie theater. So even though they'd lost their hardware store, they didn't even have grocery anymore, but they sell the theater because it was the one thing that kept them going was the art yeah and I thought that's what we do right I mean that's what really the essence of what we have to offer in our art is some moment of joy if you can come to our show yeah terrible day you don't feel like coming you've got your own set of problems and you say I'm gonna come anyway I'm gonna go to the show and you leave the show and you feel better when people tell us that like I came tonight and I didn't feel good, and I'm so glad that I came because I feel so much better. What greater compliment is there than that? What greater thing can we do for each other? Like, I can't solve your problems, but if you can come and hang out with us for a couple hours and listen to this music and you feel better when you leave, then maybe that's enough. How do you manage to write new music inspired by something that was so long ago with, I mean, I guess it's a new world with new problems, but how, yeah, tell me a little bit about your new original music that's still written with that flavor of all that I history. Think, I think that's, that's a, a really great question. Um, what we see happening today, actually, I, we think mirrors a lot of what was happening then feeling unsafe, 
You know, Pearl Harbor, that was the first time anyone had ever been bombed on American soil. Well, it wasn't very long ago, 9-11 happened here. Suddenly we feel unsafe again. Um, uh, the idea that our money, you know, we don't know, we're looking, your generation especially is looking ahead at this debt balloon. How are you ever going to pay this off? People are, are looking, people are starting to feel not, they're losing their sense of optimism. Uh, it used to be that America was this great, you know, started out like it's the great promised land. It's the golden land of golden opportunity. And I think that during the Great Depression, people started feeling like it's actually falling apart, like the banks are collapsing. We may not survive this. Um, and I think in some ways people have some of those fears today with terrorism, with um, feeling like the debt load on our children and on the younger generation being so heavy, we don't know how they're ever going to get out of that. How are you going to pay off $150,000 in school, mm -hmm. school debt? Yeah. Um, I think people are having some of these same fears about society. Um, I think people are feeling isolated in the way that they may have post-war. Um, post-World War II, especially people, there was post-traumatic distress, people didn't know what that was or how to deal with it. Yeah. These men came home, saw things in World War I, people had never seen this kind of devastation before. People are coming home from all the desert wars and all the stuff that's been happening overseas with those the same kinds of fears and inability to deal with it, and the American public doesn't know how to relate to that or, or treat these people, uh, we're seeing a lot of these same things happening again. Um, and maybe art can help that. Some stomp, we'll jump into the boogie. Some stomp, to the boogie woogie. Some stomp, to the left, some stomp, to the right. Jack, you really come on. Do you think Kansas City has anything to do with Mm. Um, the energy that you have and is, is there something about Kansas City that loves your genre that you think more than another city would? Also a good question. I will say that I think Kansas City has given us all of the tools and resources that we need. I'm not sure that we could do this in another city as well as we can do do it right here because of the support and because of the energy that is happening in Kansas City. And for those of us that live here, you know it's happening. It's undeniable. This, people call it a renaissance or, um, I don't know what it is, but there is a swell, a palpable swell. I've, I moved here in 1986 to go to school and it's never felt like this to me before. And I've been a working artist in this town since then. And um, it's fantastic, and it is energizing. So yeah, I do feel like we've drawn a lot of that momentum and energy from being here right now, and it's partly why we moved back here, because we wanted to just root in it a little bit and be part of it, give to it, and also receive back from it, because there's this great symbiotic thing that's happening right. here. And then also, I think because of Kansas City's history as um, you know, a jazz cradle, one of the jazz cradles. That's, it's just here. It's, it, it's just imbued in everything here. Hey, it's Anna. 
This is the portion of the show we're calling our forecast, or just a few things out of the many musical things going on in Kansas City before our next episode on March 10th. Of course, I have to mention you can get your hands on Electricity, Victor and Penny's new album coming out on March 4th. Before that, there's three new albums being released this week in Kansas City. First, look out for Full Blood's release called Mild West. They're sound toys between 70s and 80s rock bands, but with a modern flavor. The alto sax player Logan Richardson is also releasing his album Shift. And we have a psychedelic rock group called Beanon releasing Mystic Sunrise slash Sunset Magic. I don't think you actually say the slash in there, but I just did. So Mystic Sunrise slash Sunset Magic. Drugs and Addicts, surfy punk rock, is playing a show at Blind Tiger on Saturday, March 5th with Psychic Heat and Arc Flash and the Minneapolis band called What Tyrants. What a name is what I'm saying to What Tyrants. We would love to hear about all your upcoming musical Kansas City events and releases. Send us an email to ghostnotespodcast at gmail.com. I might read it on the next episode on March 10th with the Victor half of Victor and Penny, Jeff Freeling. Ghost Notes is produced by Matt Hodap with help from Jamie Searle. Our sexy new website, fountaincityfrequency.com, was designed by Matt Sullivan. And I'm Hannah Copeland. Thanks for listening. I guess I'll have to learn to be a slow